2: You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Well, the County Championship returns this week and we'll look ahead to the first round of games. We'll hear from Middlesex duo Mark Stoneman and Toby Rowland-Jones, while the new Surrey head coach Gareth Batty gives us his thoughts ahead of the new campaign. We'll also discuss the idea of a 12-team Premier League in county cricket and Sir Alistair Cook's Stark reflections on the future of England captain Joe Root. We'll also look back at the Women's World Cup. We'll review South Africa's test win over Bangladesh and discuss Ross Taylor's final international game for New Zealand. Plenty to, to discuss then. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2. I mean, there is a lot to get through. Um, so just at random, let's start with... Sir Alistair Cook who's had quite a lot to say in various platforms um, about Joe Root he's suggested that some of his comments after the West Indies series were deluded he's spoken a lot about knowing when your time is up as England captain he's just about said everything he stopped as close as he possibly could to saying that Joe should step down
3: so that how you read it yeah, I was surprised. I really was surprised at how Sir Alistair Cook went about his, his comments. Only he knows that when your voice is done, you're done and you, you move on you move aside and there's somebody else to step aside, uh, to step in. I've always been a believer that it doesn't matter if there's nobody else. That's not Joe Root's problem. That's ECB's leadership problem and doing if Joe is, you know, his time is up. I've seen firsthand that, I thought England got. I thought there was some good things happen with England over the course of that four week period. The Problem was that one thing that England have not been able to stop, and it's got nothing to do with Joe's captaincy, is batting under pressure. And I don't think I don't know how you you change that because it's the same old, it's the same team, the same characters, but by and large, it's the same ones that are, are getting bowled out for. Yeah, eight wickets in a session, ten wickets in a session, four four for less than fifty. So I'm not sure what Joe can do about that. To say he's deluded, he's trying to be uh, trying to show you know positivity because of he doesn't want to throw his team under the bus. That's what Joe's like. Uh, And if that's deluded, then fine. Sir Alastair Cook might have a point that he is possibly being too over positive in a series when let's really be brutally honest, two average sides going together, the reason why there was no result was because both sides weren't good enough to force a result in Antigua or Barbados. But only Joe will know whether that's his voice is, is being heard or not, because when there is nobody else, you do tend to sort of try and be overly positive, because I think if there was somebody else, Joe would have known inside that dressing room. He's been around Sir Alistair Cook, been around Sir Andrew Strauss, when their times are up. Um, and maybe Joe's just thinking, well, because there's nobody else, I need to keep this group sticking together.
2: I mean, is it, is it a bit like those um, Arctic explorers who uh, set off uh, on an exhibition to become the first man to reach the pole and uh, they ran out of food and they kept going and they kept going because they didn't want their legacy to be that of a failure. And so everybody died. I mean, it's a terrible analogy, obviously, but um, is, Joe, is Joe want it hanging on because he cares so much about about england and his tenure and it's been a lengthy one will be regarded and remembered as being largely a failure um, is that why he wants to, to carry on
3: like possibly he wants to carry on because he sees things that are positive and there have been of course the last sort of three or four test matches or three test matches i'm not so sure he's he's carried on because he wants to he, he thinks right it's it's been a failure what you've got to remember is this kid is he's such a nice man. He's such a nice kid that he wants the best for everybody. And unfortunately, from Joe's point of view, does he not know when to go? Because he, he is too nice. He, is, he feels as though it's the right thing for, for, for his team and for the ECB that he does carry on. You know, time will tell because I think whoever comes in is going to have to make a decision and sit down with Joe and whoever, from a coach's point of view, as well as the director of cricket and plan a, a path forward if you want to go down your exploration uh, route. But I think it needs a big rethink in the strategy on how they get to the, the next port of call, which would be somewhere you know, positive going forward because at the minute, there's no way Ben Stokes is going to captain the team if the ECB moved Joe Long. Um And then after that, you're looking at it, Stuart Broad because there literally is nobody else.
2: Okay, so rather than being... In any way selfish, it's more likely to be selfless. He's uh, selfless. he's taking it taking it upon himself to to lead. Uh, you just mentioned Stuart Broad there. Did you see um, his latest article, um, in which he explains why he made himself unavailable for selection for the early rounds of the county championship, wanting to be in peak form in June for the, for the first Test matches. <laughs> he doesn't mind putting a bit of pressure on the selectors from time to time, does
3: he? No, he's very good at it. And I enjoy listening and reading a lot of what's going on in Stuart's mind. I think he he does some of the things for effect, which is very, very good effect, especially with the way the ECB are at the minute. He's right not to play. I think if you mapped out in the eight weeks, seven first-class matches, first eight weeks before the first Test match, it would be madness to even contemplate Broder Anderson playing five out of the seven. Yeah, as much as they want to get back in the side, they don't need to prove that they are they are fit taking wickets or are firing because come first test match, second of June, you throw the ball at Broder Anderson, no matter how many wovers the bowl for knots and Lancashire respectively, they'll be ready for the first test match because they know their own bodies. The only thing I will say about that is that when I, when I read Stuart, he's saying I know what it, next, it takes to get ready for the summer. The one thing he hasn't done is had a winter's bowling. And that can have an adverse effect. So you might need a little bit extra bowling, but he knows what he needs to get to himself ready. So does Jimmy. Um, and I don't think it's about how good they're bowling. It's, uh, it's whether the, the selection panel wants them in their team. And to be cruel, really, to be cruel, the selection panel, ECB, Andrew spouse, whoever decided that we we're going to go to Australia, going to go to the West Indies to try and find two new bowlers. And remove two old bowlers. Fisher and Mahmood aren't there yet. Not yet.
2: You we're chopping and changing a little bit here. I just want to play you um, a short clip from Middlesex batsman Mark Stoneman, and then I'll ask you a question on the back of it.
4: Ultimately, it's it's on ourselves as, as individuals to judge our own performance, how we're preparing, and and how we put performances out on the field. You know, if we if we try and lay blame at every other door, then then cricket's not going to move forward. You know, if if the groundsmen do the work the best of their ability, the players prepare the best of their ability, coaches facilitate the individuals um, to maximise their performance, then the game will be in a good place. If we suddenly sort of try and pinpoint the exact issues, then we're just going to go around in circles chasing the next thing. So, um, Throughout my time in, in county cricket, there's been fluctuations in pitches, there's been changes to rules with rollers and stuff like that. Ultimately, it's on the players to perform.
2: Tommy, there's no doubt whatsoever, um, even from my personal experience of county cricket, that there are coasters. I mean, there are those who are in it for the easy ride. Maybe that's a little a little bit harsh, but but there are those who get into a comfort zone in in county cricket. Um, you know, I, I, I know that there have there have been times when uh, you know the people. You even admitted at the end of your career, only for one season. You, you know, you you played for the check. Do you think that by refining and having less games and making them more concentrated, that's what you've been advocating all this time, that you'd get rid of that soft underbelly?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think because then what you do, you get rid of the, the dilution of it because at the minute, there's a lot of county cricketers. There has always been a lot of county cricketers. But my problem with county cricket is, from that point of view, is I go back to, I played in the dressing room and Rocky, Mark Stolman, Rocky was, and he's quite right and he's, he always is. He's a simple lad, Rock, who you know, ownership of your own career. Uh, he'd be a very, he would have been a very, very good captain if he had hung around that little bit more from a, an international point of view. He did a good job when he was captain at Durham, spoke his mind, knew what his career path was, wanted it to go down that road. And you know, we, we probably need a lot more Mark Stoneman's in first-class cricket than, than, than some of the cricketers that are out there at this minute in time. It's not to say they're not good enough. It's just the direction that they're going in. There's none. And I'll go back and mention about my career in my time. During, the, during my time, we were playing two Copac players in, in Dale Benkenstein, who you know very well, Manners. Michael DiVinito, one of the best cricketers that I've ever played with. that hadn't played the test match. We had a, a Mike Hussey or a, a Shivna Ryan I look at County cricket now, and in every club had that. Every club had two Copacks. Two good overseas players. Now we haven't got that. We've got bang average overseas players. We've got no cold packs in the game. So them cold packs are replaced by 18, 19, 20-year-old kids on minimum wage, and the whole system is diluted. And that's the problem. I'm not a big fan of going to 12 teams because I'm not a big fan of getting rid of history. But I just think at this minute in time, I think we have to have a good look at where the system is in this country because... When we have had successful teams in the past, county cricket has been successful in the past because the higher players, top-end players, were of high quality. The one thing that is going to work is that a lot of the century contractor players are going to play over the course of the next six games, seven games. There's going to be a lot more quality in first-class cricket from international players coming back and playing in it. So county cricket is going to be, from a personnel point of view, stronger. But where it goes... I'm not a big fan of getting rid of history, so if go they've like, got to go at twelve teams, six clubs with a with a rich tradition of first class history is going to have to go by the wayside. That doesn't sit well with me. I like the concept, but it really doesn't sit well with me because I'm a bit of a traditionalist who doesn't like the hunt well, doesn't like the hundred as much. So I just I, honestly, I'm I'm really torn between what's best for English cricket. But unfortunately, you might have to bite the bullet and think that like, twelve teams might be the way to go.
2: One man who will not be available in county cricket as a coach, of course, is Graham Thorpe, who uh, was appointed head coach of Afghanistan while we were on air last week, and we 'll talk about that in uh, right at the end if we 've still got time. Time now to look back at the final of the women 's World Cup as holders, England fell to a heavy defeat against Australia, going down by seventy one runs. Uh, the joke, if that was the right word for it before the tournament was how interesting and exciting the battle uh, would be to see who would lose to Australia in the final. Anybody that uh, thought they might stumble were in for a rude shock because Australia made 356 for five with uh, Alicia Healy making 170, the highest score ever in a World Cup final and probably one of the 50 over innings of all time. 138 balls, twenty-six fours. Nat Silver, of course, made an unbeaten 148 in England's reply. But Australia were as dominant, I think, as any team has ever been um, in, a, in an ICC event. I'm delighted to say uh, that we're joined live by Georgie Heath, who covered the tournament uh, for Talk Sport and Talk Sport too. Georgie, kind of a sense of inevitability about the whole thing, wasn't it? Australia are just too good.
1: Yeah, I've said it before about this Australian team, and I'll say it again. I actually think they are the best team of any gender in any sport in any the country at the moment, like across everything. They just are so dominant. There's, It it was one of those, okay, let's just go through the motions. Who's going to lose? But the performance from Alyssa here, it really annoys me because I really want to hate her, but she's just so good and she's really cool as well. And she just was complete class above just anything we've seen in a long time. And she's proof of, proof in the pudding, you know, of what Australia have put into the women's game and they're reaping the rewards. They've just got, more and more of them coming through. Alana King then coming through. She's makes me feel old, you know. And they, they've got it all at the moment. They can bat, they can bowl. Even the people who are down as bowlers as such can come out and have a swing. So, yeah. And then they can they move their batting up and down throughout the tournament as well. They're like, oh, we'll just push someone up so she can score a quick 40 in like 18 balls, you know, just because. And they just are, just they're leaving us all behind really at the moment.
3: You mentioned that, George, about what Australia have done you know to raise the bar for for women's cricket. But how good was the tournament as a whole? Because I've never seen as many sort of close games as what there is in a, in a major competition. Yeah, you, know, you, you look at the men's, you look at the men's World Cup, and whenever the men's have a World Cup, there's half a dozen whipping boys. But this tournament has been so good from a game point of view and results point of view that the games were really, really close. Is that to say the standard of women's cricket is? Is getting better and better. And I, we can go off like how good the hundreds has been from a women's game point of view. Does that en- enhanced the profile as well as yeah, the quality?
1: Yeah, I think it has. It, actually, we saw it from day one, really, didn't we? When West Indies shocked the hosts on the first day in New Zealand. I can't say I stayed awake all night for that one, but woke up and was like, oh, no, this will be fine. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, West Indies absolutely smashed it. And they've got so many young players coming through as well. But like you say, something like... The 100 on the women's side has just been so good. Like England, we've done well bringing in our own domestic games. We've got the Rachel Heyhoe Friend 50 overs, the Charlotte Edwards Cup and the 20 over. But yeah, something like we all saw it with the women's 100 last year. People got so involved and it showed that all the youngsters coming through and when you put money into the women's game, it delivers. And I think the, we're starting to reap the rewards of that on a global front. Like we've got players from Pakistan making the... Tournament, like the team of the tournament, you've got it wasn't just dominated by Australian players, that ICC, you know, team of the tournament kind of thing. I mean, there's a few I would have brought in maybe. Um, But yeah, I think, like you say, it definitely shows that when you put that into the women's game, that's what you get out. And we had such tight games. The West Indies looked like they were giving Australia a run for their money at one point, which was quite fun to watch. And then that semi final between. India and South Africa that went down to a no ball at the end. And you had videos of the West Indies team watching it, not semifinals to get to the semifinal. You had videos of the West Indians watching it being like, okay, well, if India lose this, we're going through. So they'd have to stay where they were. They couldn't fly anywhere in case they had to play their game there. And that's the kind of thing you think, you know, normally you get to that point, you, you're you like, okay, we've got our top four easy peasy. We'll just go through the motions. We'll get to that point. We'll watch England, India, Australia, probably New Zealand, maybe South Africa, you know, those kind of lot battle it out for those top positions and then we'll see Australia lift the trophy but it wasn't like that and that's what made it such a good tournament like Pakistan playing in their in this tournament was just amazing and then obviously their captain's got her kid coming along with her who just completely stole all the headlines she was having a great time, little baby Fatima and then Bangladesh playing in their first tournament, getting their first win, it just, it sort of had a bit of everything that you can see that the women's game has got that. And by looking at just Twitter and things like that, you can see how many more people were getting involved as it went along. And yes, Australia came out with the win that we all expected, but it was more about the narrative to get to that point that really caught the headlines.
2: All right. Just to confirm what you said about the, the tournament being competitive, this is what England captain Heather Knight said after the uh, after the tournament.
5: Yeah, I think it's been a brilliant World Cup. I think the the standard of cricket, the competition, the tenseness of, of the matches has obviously been a lot of close matches I think it's a, a brilliant advert for the women's game and um, means it's in a really healthy place I think um, probably not what a lot of people were expecting I think going into this competition but I think albeit it was bad for us at the start of the competition to have everyone beating everyone is, is a really good place to be and, and I think in the future to keep that happening there needs to be Countries that play more cricket, uh, I think we're quite lucky. Us and Australia are the best two supported teams in the world. But I think there, there needs to be more regular cricket for some of the, the nations that don't play as much. Uh, I think Sri Lanka obviously weren't here, have, have hardly played cricket in the last two years because of COVID. And to keep the game, the women's game in a healthy state, there needs to be that support throughout um, the different nations, I think.
2: We shouldn't forget that that England lost their first three games and then we're playing knockout cricket for the rest of the tournament. So to get to the final was a a heck of an achievement. But Harmy and I were quite surprised, to put it mildly, um, that uh, that there were some people saying after those first three games that uh, some of the England players were a bit long in the tooth and it was time to move on. (laughs) They answered that pretty emphatically.
1: Yes, we're quite guilty of this, I think, in this country. As soon as people don't perform and are over the age of maybe late 20s you know if they're sort of 28 and above they're like right they're not performing they are too old done unfit not fit for purpose get rid of her well then Catherine Brunt was like oh really I mean I would never take on Catherine Brunt I'm, you know she'd terrify me i don't don't bother me please Catherine Brunt but yeah she was like oh you're saying bad things about me I'll just take a wicket with the first ball casually and then you got Anne Shrobsall taking two early wickets and she we all saw what she did in the 2017 World Cup final and Yes, they might have been out of form a bit, but everyone gets out of form. So it was nice to see, particularly Brunt and Shropshire, who have just been, you know, two of the faces of England women's cricket for so long now, actually come through and perform even right through to the end.
3: And Georgie, what about the difference between, obviously, you've got Australia and the rest what we thought was going to happen before the tournament, but how do how do England try and bridge the gap between, you know, getting to closer, if not to, you know, challenge and beat Australia in the foreseeable future?
1: Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, there were times we did push Australia. We came within 12 runs in the first game when we really weren't on form at all. So we can take a positive from that one, but they have had their professional structure in for five years longer than England. So it's going to take some time for that to kick in here and us to reap the rewards of that. And then something like, like I said, the... Rachel Hayhoe, Flint, the Charlotte Edwards Cup, the 100 are going to be so integral to England catching up on that front. Because if you get the games, you get the coverage, you then get the money and it just becomes a cyclical process that then you get the performances out of it. So it might take a while. Obviously, the next World Cup cycle is only going to be three years rather than five. But we saw Australia lose in the semi-final five years ago, so they went, right, what are we going to do? This, that and the other, and it's worked. So I think England are going to have to have a sit-down, a reset. They're either going to think, you know, we look ahead to the Commonwealth at the end of this summer and then we go from there, or do we just go, right, here, you know what? We're going to bring in some youngsters. We're going to start afresh now and see where we can go from that. Like, they they have young players in the squad that just didn't really get their chance in this tournament. Someone like Emma Lamb, she came in, she didn't bat, she didn't bowl. She didn't keep? I think she fielded one ball and then she went back to the bench for the next few games. And she's been dragged around the whole tournament doing that. So, yeah, I'd say it's a chance for England to think, right, what are we going to do with the future? You will have some people, like Brunt and Shrubstall aren't going to be around forever. They will retire at some point. Um, There's a lot of young players coming through. Someone like Izzy Wong, she is bowling absolute rockets. And then I would say, my thing at the moment is, chuck her in. Maybe for the Commonwealth Games, it's home for her. She's a Brummie girl. And I think we need that little bit of firecracker, something or other. We've got to find that little oomph to replace the the stalwarts who've done the in-swing, the in-swing, whatever, for so long and go with the modern game and a speedy bowler.
2: Let's just hear from uh, Nat Siver after her. I, I mentioned Alicia Healy's 170 being one of the best innings uh, in World Cup history. Men all win. And uh, I think it's fair to say that Nat Siver's 148 not outs, probably the... The best innings, certainly the best innings in a World Cup final on the losing team. This is what she said after
5: this tournament. Tournaments being unbelievable. The amount of close games we've had, the the competitiveness of all the all of the games really has been brilliant. I don't remember another tournament like it really. And yeah, to be pushed ourselves to be pushed as a team as we have done. And then still being able to make it to the final, I think we can be really proud of ourselves.
2: Nat Silver after her 148 not out in a losing cause for England, as they were bowled out for 285. Harmy and I spoke a lot last summer about the relevance of and the actually more than relevance, the the real um, importance and and entertainment value of the women's hundred tournament. Um, so as as much as Harmy and I. Struggle to get get into the men's tournament. We absolutely loved the women's tournament, and I think that's going to, I think that is going to become the sort of the IPL of the women's game, if it's not already.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then maybe one day a women's IPL, you know, on the (laughs) card. Yeah, and also I've just seen that Meg Lanning has just signed for the Trent Rockets, so that's going to be Megan. And it's nice that we can have all the Aussies and the overseas players here this year, which makes it even bigger. But even without some of the mega global stars last year, the women's hundred was just more than anyone expected it to be. And I think as much as COVID affected the year before and it got canceled and everything that actually was a little bit of gold dust for the women's because then to be able to play as those, the double headers as such women's and the men's same ground, same day, people can go and watch both. And actually, you saw it as the tournament went on. More and more people were coming earlier to watch the women's ones. And it was so good for the game. And the women's final was far more exciting than the men's final. You had Marizanne Cap just absolutely on a mad one. And it's just done so much for the women's game. I went to the standalone women's one at the beginning. And even that, the beginning of a brand new tournament that no one knew what was going on. It was just women at the Oval. And you're getting record crowds for women's sport. And... Like some of the performances were amazing, and so I think, yes, we all talk about the 100, and we, we like to group it together as a negative about the 100 quite often. But if you separate them, the women's 100 pretty much everyone would admit has been so good for the women's game.
3: Just to on that, um, the standalone women's game and the 100, and can you, Georgia, can you possibly see being completely standalone, or can you see there possibly being two different competitions, i.e., those? When the men play, and then there's one, a little one, which is on its own, a different type of format or anything like that, where you you play at the bigger grounds, possibly play the 2020 or play 50 over competition, which is designed similar to the 100, which is bring in all the big stars and try and have a standalone competition away from obviously the men's game.
1: I think that's tricky. I think not yet because it's not at that stage when enough people will be able to invest themselves into that and be like, right, I'm going to go to this new tournament. It's standalone women. That's quite hard. That's why I like that. They, you know, you tend to pick your franchise and you support the men and women. And I'm hoping that without as many restrictions and stuff this year, the two can become more of an actual unit. You know, there was talk last year that, you know, the men and women might partner up. And so there'd be a, a male player, you know, training with the female ones, which is what you want to see in passing. You know, women can do different things with the back bowling that the males can do and vice versa. So it's nice that they can learn from each other. I think it's quite difficult to think a women's standalone tournament would bring in enough just yet, but there is always scope for that. I'm off to this fair break tournament that's happening soon. It's actually got a lot of big names from Australia you've got West Indies Pakistan but then also associate nation players all alongside each other in a few weeks time and that's the kind of thing that is a great starting point but from here you know you just got to, it's just about growing the women's game enough that then maybe in the future can invest in something like that but I think for now having them aligned is great because then people even if they're just there for the men's they tend to turn up early they might catch a bit of the women see some brilliance and be like you know what I'm going to come earlier next time I want to watch the women's game too.
2: Great stuff. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Georgie Heath, women's Cricket Reporter, um, and uh, look forward to a lot more this summer. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we look ahead to the start of the county championship and hear from both the Surrey and Middlesex camps. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket.
0: eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to Visit Barbados. Dot org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan.
2: You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. And as always, if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. OK, we're talking county championship now. Um, the new domestic red ball season gets underway on Thursday. Harmy, uh, a couple of uh, eye-catching Division 1 fixtures, just a reminder that we are going back to uh, Divisions 1 and 2, uh, uh, as we were in 2019, no three conferences this year. Essex against Kent, Hampshire against Somerset, North Ants against Gloucestershire, who made a really good start last year, you may remember, and defending champions Warwickshire against Surrey. Dom Sibley um, for Warwickshire and um, Rory Burns for Surrey. Uh, that, that'll be an interesting little who goes best at the top of the order.
3: It will, yeah. They could be back soon, couldn't they? Uh, you, just, you just never know. There's England places to be played for here. There could be somebody comes out of the woodwork here. I mentioned it before. There's Joe Root, and Stokes, probably Johnny Bairstow. There's not many more that you could turn around and say, I warrant a place, oh, I can get a place in this side. Ollie, Ollie Pope's the big one for me in that Surrey game. He has to go and score a boatload of runs. If he goes and plays seven first-class matches between now and the summer, then England have then got to seriously consider Johnny Best going back to keeping wicket and Pope at six. Pope at five, Stokes at six, Best at seven. That's what this county cricket, part of the start part of county cricket delivers up. So he's starting at a, a test venue at, at Edgbaston. place he knows, he knows well from both domestic and, and international. I think that's a humdinger of a game. Essex, Cook against Crawley. Interesting if Zach Crawley could just pop into the other dressing room if it rained for a day and just talk about batting to, to Sir Alistair about how to leave the ball and potentially not drive a thing in the first, first two hours. And that would be a conversation to get into. Or uh, there would be somebody to push Crawley into a corner and say, go and have a word with him. Or go and spend some time with him. Talk about mindset. Because Zach Crawley doesn't need to talk to anybody about Ability-wise, because he's got it all, all for me. I really—I remember I'm a massive fan of Zach Crawley. The problem he's got is, is getting it in the, the ducks in a row and, and leaving balls in areas which are quite attacking from a bowler's point of view, and then belting balls when they're in his when when the game's in his favour. And I think that's something that Sir Alistair Cup would probably help him on. I remember gone to Australia in 2010, 11, or six, seven. Because he nicked off so many times the one before, he said, "I'm not going to play the drive. I'm not going to drive one ball through extra cover." And I think his first drive, the first drive through extra cover, was when he was about 200 not, not out in Melbourne, and the discipline of of that—that's what made him the best in the business. So there's some good games in that, and there's some good teams in that. Um, who do I think got a chance? Lancashire have got a chance, I think, because they've got will have Anderson for a large proportion of of, of what the season would be. I think Yorkshire will do all right. But if the likes of Pope can't get into the England team because of England's deal with what they've got, Curran coming back as well as Burns, I think Bats might have a, a good good team to start the season. And if you get off to a roll, um, you'd be very, very difficult to stop, especially somebody as big and powerful as Surrey.
2: OK, talking of Surrey, here is Gareth Baddy, our friend and, uh, and part-time colleague on the uh... Talk, talk to ball-by-ball ball commentary. That's what he had to say.
6: I want to be, as we said in commentary at the, at the end there. I don't want to be reactive. I want to be proactive. I want to be on the front foot. I truly believe in our squad of players. I truly believe in our uh, coaching and staff. And I think everybody will be given enough role clarity to explore that role and be as good a person and as good a player struck staff member, whatever it would be, uh, for the greater good of the team and I think it's an evolving process that um, everybody will just hopefully grow into different roles, different uh, responsibilities and it should all culminate in where we want to be um, and it's what the club expects. The club does not suffer fools, we have to win, It. it is our job to get results and I'm very aware of that, I knew it as a player, I know it now. I'm not fearful of that. It's just what we are down and what we are paid to do.
2: Gareth Buddy discussing his aims as uh, now that he's Surrey head coach. I uh, can't help uh, having my eye caught by Moneyball Northants against uh, against Gloucester. Uh, Gloucester really made a, an impressive start last year as a, a team that's just been really well structured and, and well put together. But but Northants, you know, the old, the young and the infirm and the unwanted and the unloved, And they seem to come together and put points on the
3: board. They do. They did really well. Both teams did well last year. I think Gloucester fell away when Bracey got picked for England. Bracey started brilliantly and they did really well. And then all of a sudden, James went to England. I think lost a lot of confidence on what happened. Um, And then obviously Gloucester fell by the wayside a little bit. And and Northampton, you're right. It just seems that the unloved galvanise each other together. And, and make it very, very difficult for, for the opposition. And, and they had a, a terrific season last season as well. So they will be them too. But I think over the course of the, the season, I think they'll find it very, very difficult to stick with the big boys over the course of the, the 14 matches. So, but, you, but like anything managers, if you get off to a good start, you could win the championship in the first four games. If, if you get results go your way and if you get you know, the, the odd gray sky come and, you, know, you you knock over a team early, you get on a bit of a roll and the confidence is high and then if it does get dented later on and you've got something to fall back on. So the team that comes out of the traps well first up tend to be the ones that take some beating come the back end because they can, they can sort of consolidate and then go again. If you start off badly and you're, you know, you're always sort of chasing your tail then especially for somebody like a, a Kent, a North Hans or a Gloucester I think then you'd, you'd, you'd really sort of look at the big test playing grounds and think, well, their resources are a lot more than what we've got.
2: OK, let's so have a quick look at uh, Division 2 as well. Um, I'll tell you what, there's a few South Africans who are going to be available for the whole of, if not a very large part of uh, the, um, the summer in Division 2. Glamorgan against Durham. Durham has signed uh, South Africa's uh, number three test batsman, Keegan Peterson, and David Beddingham, by the way, has committed himself... Mm-hmm. To, playing for, uh, to qualifying for England, he has a British passport. Um, Leicestershire, I've got uh, a couple of South Africans uh, in Buren Hendricks and Vian Mulder are gonna be available probably for the whole season, uh, for the whole summer against Worcestershire. Um, Middlesex against Derbyshire and um, Sussex against Notts. Um, I can't help uh, being fascinated by the Sussex story. Um, I suppose their season could be disrupted by, by half the squad sitting GCSEs at some point.
3: <laughs> yeah, GCSEs. So you're going to have half the team getting their paperwork in order and then the club couldn't get the paperwork of Pajara in order when they've got six months knowing that he's coming over because he can't play the first game for visas. So hopefully hopefully the students get their paperwork in order they can get their qualifications just in case things don't go right and they've got something to fall back on. But joking aside, it is a very young Sussex side. And you just hope, like we just mentioned about teams in the first division, if you get off to a good start, you stand a chance because the game of first-class cricket just gobbles you up mentally. If they get off to a bad start, especially as a bunch of young kids, then, and I've been there, Durham, late 90s, we were, I was going to say something else there, we weren't very good. Teams were, coming for two, teams were coming for two days, never mind three days, because we were just a bunch of young kids fudged together and it didn't work. And it took a while to to sort of change the, the mentality from that. So I fear a little bit for Sussex if they don't get off to a good start. Toby
2: Rowland-Jones will be playing alongside Shaheen Afridi. Um, this is what he had to say.
3: The guy's, you know, one of the most exciting bowlers in world cricket, I think, at the moment. And since the news came out, you know, last summer, his stock's just gone up mm. even more. You know, watching him across the winter in, in various sort of tournaments or international games, he's he's just impressed sort of everywhere he's gone. So... Certainly, excited to see that close up and in the flesh, and glad to be on the same team and and not facing it. So, yeah, certainly the guys are really excited. Mm. And again, another probably positive headache, if you like, for for the coaches and management in terms of selection. But no doubt, sort of the pace as well as the the sort of left arm, you know, change Mm. of angle just adds something really different to our attack.
2: Maybe Roland Jones will be uh, sharing the new ball, perhaps, with Shaheen Shah Afridi. And honestly, what are Middlesex doing in Division Two? They've got no business being in there, and it's up to them to get themselves out pronto.
3: It is, and they've got, they've signed some experienced characters as well. Obviously, Stoneman's there full time. They've got some good players playing at Lords. Does it hamper them sometimes because of the size and stature of the ground? Don't always get to practice in the practice facilities. I think it's, I think playing for Middlesex, you are a little bit of, you know, moving around a bit rather than being settled at home. So, Robson, has he still got England aspirations? I'm sure he has. He had a good end to last season, Sam Robson. So, they've got a good side. Durham, I know I'm biased, but I think if Durham get off to the start, I think Durham will take some stopping in that league. Durham are another one. You mentioned, you know, Keegan Peterson. You look at Beddingham costs when he's fit, the England, uh, they get him fit. He'd be knocking on the England door. Stokes will play probably three of the seven first-class matches because, obviously, no IPL. Lee's at the top of the order. Got seven first-class games to tell everybody or show everybody that he is England's number one opening batsman. So I think that Middlesex-Durham, I think they could be the two teams that could really take some stop. And Notts, you just never know with Notts what you're going to get. One thing you've got, Notts, is probably five of the seven games you're going to get Stuart Broad. So they'll be in with, a, in with a shout as well. So them three, be, it'll be two from three in that division on, on who, for me, who goes further yeah, into the competition and potentially gets promoted.
2: Okay, well, we'll both be keeping an eye on uh, the first round of the championship. A lot to, to look forward to there. Should have done my research on this, Harmi, but do you know whether those games are going to be streamed again last summer, this summer as they were last summer?
3: I would have thought so. I think it's, it's a good, good thing for... County clubs now, because of because of streaming and YouTube, you can you can get pub games now. You know, the, there was a couple of times I watched Ashington Cricket Club last year, but in the Northeast Premier League. On believe it or not, I was sitting in a pub watching it on YouTube on because the pub had Wi Fi and had a TV on it. So yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? You can get it anywhere you want now. So I think because I think because of it, it was so successful last year. I hope it is again, because I think it's, it's beneficial to get the, the game out there for people to see.
2: Excellent. OK, well, I'll keep uh, an eye mostly on Warwickshire against Surrey. And you can keep an eye on, uh, on Durham and we'll make them our featured games in our roundup mm-hmm. next week. Um, so interesting uh, first test match between South Africa and Bangladesh. South Africa depleted, of course, by the departure of five of their best players to the IPL. And at, at times they were put under a bit of pressure. uh, by Bangladesh in that first test in Durban. Durban's become South Africa's premier spin-friendly venue, Um, so it was an odd choice for South Africa to decide to play Bangladesh there. As it turned out, they grew as much grass on the pitch as they possibly could, and then it was Bangladesh who ran scared from the pitch and picked only one spinner. South Africa picked two specialist spinners, in their starting eleven for the first time in a home test match since 1970, 52 years ago, and well, they, they did a job. Simon Harmer will be um, no surprise to anybody who follows county cricket that Simon Harmer's return to uh, the the test fold after six years and 55 tests in the wilderness saw him pick up seven wickets. The first four in the first innings, he bowled brilliantly, and of course, he and fellow spinner Keshav Maharaj took all ten without anybody else required to bowl an over in the second innings, as Bangladesh were bundled out for 53 and South Africa won by 220 runs on the fifth day. Comfortable in the end, but um, oh they had to they had to work for it. And I tell you what, Harmy, it was spicy on the field.
3: Yeah, it did. It looked spicy on the field as well. There were a few complaints towards the umpirant and the umpiring I must admit, it wasn't it wasn't the most friendly when it come to decision making. When it, but saying that, now there was the West Indies either because I was out there and I thought the two guys in the middle had a shocker out there as well. So, but when you look at it from a South African's point of view, to take five players out and perform like that and win like that, especially with England coming up in England around the corner, you know we talk about how badly England have done when England were in were in the West Indies. That must give them a huge amount of confidence. Uh, first and foremost, my question to you is, where does this side go? Because the players that have come in have done well. Who plays Maharaj or Harma when it comes to further down the line, i.e. when they come to England, when Rabada, Nakia and, and, and a few others, Nagidi will be back. There's still, there's some good question marks from from a South African point of view, because the baton seems to be in a decent order. Looks as though they're building the bowling unit that can challenge around the world now. They've got two you know, quality spinners. Is this thing with Mark Boucher still overhanging?
2: Yeah, the Boucher thing, um, he has a disciplinary um, hearing uh, in May, um, just before the team. Well, a month or two before the team selected to go to England. Uh, so um, the, guy, the guy I feel sorry for is actually Simon Harmer, because um, he was desperate to play international cricket again. Um, you know, he's been saying for years, "Just give me a window." Just give me a window. He even considered qualifying for England, but but not seriously. I, mean, I think he would have been about thirty-seven by the time he qualified if he if he tried to go that route. But he's he's in he's in love with Essex, um, and Essex and Chelmsford um, is in love with him. The people of Essex are in love with him, and so um, he he's going to be. It's like asking a parent to choose between children. Playing for South Africa in in a test series, playing at Lords against England. Um, but he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to abandon Essex. So um, he's in a real, real bind come this summer. I mean, you know, they, they were so good together, and I think they could be very effective on pretty much any surface. But when you've got the likes of uh, of Nguidi and Rabada and Marco Janssen coming back, then uh, it depends on the pitches, I suppose. Um, Lords, Oval and Old Trafford. Old Trafford in September.
3: Will that turn? Old Trafford in September will turn bounce as well. So that'll that'll attract both spinners. Yeah. More harm than it will, Maharaj. I think Harmer stands the ball up. He's a tall guy, so he stands the ball up and bounces a bit. So from that point of view, there'll be an interesting selection on that. Lords, no matter whether there's green grass on the pitch as well, with DRS. Now it's the slope at Lords and DRS, your spinners always in the game at Lords, just a, a slight misjudgment. And so I'd imagine they'll come in both come into into play there um but you you say you're right they have got an embarrassment of riches when it comes to their seam bowling department as well uh there could be a a real thought you know it could be a massive test for england because where will england be by then they've played three tests against new zealand they'll be strong and then you've got the that that one-off test against india so what state will england be in when that when that comes around, it'll be uh, it'll be so intriguing because we'll have a new coach, a new director of cricket and potentially a new captain. So from a, a South African point of view, I'm not sure they could be coming to England at a better time.
2: Okay, this is a uh, South African captain Dean Elger talking after that test match. How awesome
4: was it to see two spin bowlers bowling together in tandem and and have it on a string and absolutely dominating our opposition, which was which was something that we've always wanted to see and um yeah, it was great to see both of them competing at such a high level. I think most batting attacks or batting lineups would have, would have had, a, had a tough task against both of them. Um, but yeah, it's horses uh, it's for courses at the moment. And um, I think even with the IPL guys, if they were available, Keshov and Harmi would have operated uh, together still in quite a, quite a big capacity in a sense of they would have bowled. Um, most of our overs with regards to a percentage point of view. Um, but yeah, awesome awesome to have both of them there competing at, at such a high level and uh, just the, the pure skill level and intensity that they brought and consistency was something amazing to to witness.
2: South African captain Dean Elger uh, talking about uh, having tw- a twin spin attack in Keshav Maharaj and Simon Harmer. You mentioned the New Zealand tour. It's interesting that uh, Kane Williamson, the skipper, missed the whole of the international summer for New Zealand but was then suddenly fit enough to play in the IPL where he's captaining the Sunrise Hyderabad apparently the IPL was always part of his rehabilitation program and um, Gary Stead the Black Caps cap- uh, coach said uh, yesterday that uh, he- he's looking good um, for the Tour of England so um, f- funny how the
3: it, it is. It's funny how it goes, but we're going to be the same because Ollie Stone, Joff Archer and Mark Wood will definitely be fit for the T20 Blast and for the 100. I don't think they'll play many Red Bull games before that first Test match. So they're not just... The, New Zealand are not the only ones that have got you know, priorities in in such a way where the White ball dominates the Red Bull. I wonder why that's that Test cricket in the position it's in. Who knows? <laughs>
2: Just very briefly back to the South Africa Bangladesh first test match. Um, Bangladesh complained about, uh, or their the director of cricket um, complained about South African sledging, um, whilst at the same time admitting that both teams had sledged each other. So I'm just about old enough, Homi, to remember the Indian teams with great, great players. Who were too easily intimidated, and it took Sourav Ganguly, I think, initially in the 1990s, to stand up to the likes of Steve Waugh and show that Indian teams would not uh, would not take a step backwards and would not be intimidated. Uh, and Bangladesh tried to do the same. Of course, they got a former South African coach in charge now, Russell Domingo, and it looked to me like what happened was that uh, Domingo said, "Boys, you you can't, you know." Don't be spoken to like that. Don't take a step back. Don't be cowed by the. Don't be bullied. And it looks to me like the Bangladesh uh, team sort of took the initiative when it came to a war of words. And uh, Dean Elgar was the wrong man uh, to to take on because uh, he's, um, he's as hard as a paving slab, and uh, he, <laughs> he gave it back. And, and then Bangladesh resorted to saying, well, both teams sledged, but South Africa crossed the line. They need to speak <laughs> to Australia about where the line is, don't they?
3: Oh, absolutely. Sticks and stones, isn't it? I always got told by my mum, sticks and stones in the play yard. If somebody called in him, they'd call him back, bop them on the nose and just ignore them. So you can't bop them on the nose unless you're a fast bowler. You just ignore them. And it's, it's always, you'll get them questions when you do the Q&As. Yeah, you know, were you a sledger? Were you not? And I was like, no, nobody understood a word. I said 20 miles south of Darlington, so... <laughs> I didn't see the point of opening my mouth and having a go and calling somebody. But on the other hand, as many times I've been out in the middle countries with different languages and you can, you know, they're talking about you, you know, we're having a go at you, but I don't understand a word you say. So I'm not really (laughs) going to, I'm not really going to worry about it. To be honest, I'm not going to lose any sleep. Whether somebody doesn't like me, I'm really not bothered. So when it gets to that, then you are in sort of the mental disintegration. So is that, is that, is that the modern society that, you're going to have to, because you're not doing your job properly, you're moaning about somebody calling your names. Wow, get on with it.
2: Get on with it. Okay, just a sentence on these two <laughs> things. We're running out of time um, very quickly. Uh, so um, Ross Taylor didn't even bother trying to hide the tears as the National Anthems played with his kids alongside him uh, before his uh, final international game, the only man in history to have played 100-plus games in all three formats. Uh, that was, uh, that was uh, an abs- absolute delight and um, Yorkshire, finally, I think everything's sorted out at board level and uh, their new structure has been passed by the membership and they can finally haul up the anchor and move forward.
3: Great news. Fantastic news for everybody at Yorkshire connected with Yorkshire. So Darren Goff, out there now looking at sponsors and getting, getting everything across the line. Finn Allen and, and Shadab Khan, two very good signings, I think, for the T20 Blast. Hopefully got a, a name and rights to the ground in the process, as well as many more sponsors coming in now that the restructure has been passed. National cricket will be played and Yorkshire are moving forward. And that's the most important thing we've all wondered. Not forgetting about what's happened, but moving forward to make things better. And while Sir Darren Goff's there, I think we'll all believe it'll happen.
2: Ross Taylor and Graham Thorpe, head coach of Afghanistan. You've got 30 seconds.
3: Ross Taylor, well, Graham first. Good to see Thorpe back in the game. Me and Butch were very surprised when he took the the Afghanistan job, um, but we obviously wish him all the best. Um, and Ross Taylor, fantastic career. What a fantastic career! I had the pleasure of playing with him at Durham, a short period in in, in the T Twenty Blast. Um, a great character, top man, and what a you know his numbers just stack up. And yeah, you know, he's gonna he's definitely gonna enjoy his retirement. I'm sure he'll end up either with a microphone in his hand or possibly coaching. I'd be very, very surprised if he goes in the coaching route.
2: (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks, Tommy. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And as I said earlier, we'll be back next week to look back at round one of the county championship. This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.
0: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.
3: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.